0: My proven method shows you how to attract cash-paying clients using social media marketing strategies that work. You don't have to guess, waste time, or hold yourself back when you follow my step-by-step method. Hello and welcome. I'm here today with Becca King as part of our Then and Now series. Becca was on our uh, podcast being interviewed. I want to say I'll have to check the date less than a year ago, and there's been huge changes in her progress since then. And I want to give Becca an opportunity to to share her story and inspire you all with uh, her progress, which is absolutely incredible. And it's happened in a short period of time. So a little bit of background on Becca. She's a registered dietitian nutritionist from Charlotte, North Carolina. She started her career working as an outpatient weight loss clinic, working at an outpatient weight loss clinic, where she saw firsthand how dieting did not work and left her patients with a poor food relationship. Um, and, after getting laid off due to the pandemic, Becca took it as a sign to start her virtual private practice. Now, she helps women like herself who have ADHD with struggling and struggle with binge eating, chronic dieting, and body image issues, find food freedom and improve their self esteem she 's passionate about using the principles of intuitive eating and a weight inclusive approach to nutrition in her free time. Becca loves talking, loves um, taking Lola, her rescue pup, on long walks, and she can't wait to see live music again.
1: Did I leave anything out from that bio, Becca? No, I think you
0: covered it all. And, we, and I heard Lola at the beginning of this call uh, with her voice. so I, I yes. was super accurate. And, <laughs> um, and I loved, I just want to note from this bio, I believe we used it for the last podcast. You've been on the podcast a couple of times on a panel about mental health, and then you were interviewed earlier on when you first niched down. So again, really fun to see the yeah. production. But what I love from reading this bio is the clarity in your messaging, right? That you help those who have ADHD struggle with binge eating, chronic dieting, and body image issues to find food freedom and improve their self-esteem. Super clear messaging. And from our last podcast interview, the one that uh, one of our uh, co-hosts recorded with you, um, you had mentioned, I was just listening to it this morning, that um, when you niche down from food freedom to ADHD and food freedom, um, you had noticed that uh, you got more traction. You went from zero to four clients And so I thought we could kick off the interview with doing a little bit of a then and now. How have things evolved since you got your first few clients to where you are now? Kind of update us with what's happening in your world.
1: Yeah. So... I right before this call we kind of ran over kind of what we I had talked about on my last um time I was on the podcast, and I was just kind of mind blown because since then i at that time was offering three session bundles and i just, it went from that to starting a six week small group um and then I've added on two weeks to it now, so that right now it's an eight week small group um and yeah I have I think well over 200 clients at this point. Incredible!
0: So from zero to 200 clients, in yeah, year, that's absolutely like really, really inspiring, Becca. So talk to us about how, because the last interview you had mentioned you went from bundles to wanting to start a group, and now you've progressed your group. I know that's something we've worked through. Talk to me yeah. about um, what's helped you get those 200 clients. Could you break down the evolution? Your social media is incredible, um, not just for the virality component, but your content truly resonates and it's, it's clear and it solves problems. And I'd love to know more about like how people are resonating. But what is it that's getting people to want to work with you?
1: I think one of the big things, and it was something I said that I... I think I said I either needed to work on or something that was kind of nervous for me with social media was being vulnerable. And I think showing that I'm a real person and that I am kind of, I am in my client's shoes as someone who has ADHD and has struggled with food. So for me, it's really easy to connect with my clients in that sense or potential clients. Um, And I, whenever I get on and talk about, you know, what they're really struggling with, their biggest pain points and, you know, tell them and kind of give them that call to action. Um, I get discovery calls and I'm able to just have a really good conversation with them. And for most of the time, it's like, this is the first time I've had someone who like makes me feel seen and heard and actually gets what I'm struggling with. And it makes the sale so easy for them to be like, yeah, actually, I want to work with you. Um, So most of the time when someone is ready to set up that discovery call a lot of times they're very ready to get started and work together which is awesome
0: so So let's unpack that a little bit because that's that's very how to and i love that but it's not uh i think (laughs) what what you want to be with is um just kind of which part of that came more naturally which part of that uh, has been harder and sharing maybe a story uh, about one part of that process so what i'm hearing is it's clarifying your message, which we talked about on the first podcast. And we've yeah. done that. We know you went from food freedom to niching down to ADHD and the significance of that on the onset, helping you get your first four clients and then fast forward, helping you get 200. So obviously that was a good move. So you started out by getting your message clear. And then you noticed in your content, people were resonating. And then from resonating con- your content that was resonating, people signed up for sales calls. And then you had the ability to convert them. And then you sold them into an offer that made more sense than your initial offer. So there's a lot of progression points. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really great tactical information for the listeners. And that, that is the, the methodology I teach. But can you share a story on one of those phases we just discussed that was a little bit interesting or that was unexpected, it could be content, it could be maybe conversion, any aspect that either kind of stands out to you when you reflect on your progress.
1: I think being sticking with my message, like I've had a lot of people, you know, reach out and say, can you talk about X, Y, and Z, but it doesn't necessarily fit what my, true ideal client is struggling with or what my actual program helps them with. So it's, um, and it's not that I don't want to talk about those things or offer help for those people. Cause that's something I'm always like, Oh, I should, should I talk about that? Like, um, being like, you know, I really struggle with, you know, picky eating. Cause that's for instance, something very common in, yep. um, my, um, and, with my clients or some of them, potential clients, I guess, with people with ADHD, I should say. Um, But that is not something I specialize in working through. Um, And so I haven't really, has been something I've wanted to talk about, um, but I know that it really isn't what my program helps people with. Um, And so kind of talking about something that's irrelevant. um, But I guess, I guess that's the part of the surprise for me is like, I guess seeing that there's other things, but still kind of keeping my blinders on and continuing through with things. Um, and
0: what you just mentioned, sticking with what they want to hear and keeping the biggest problem, the biggest problem is not easy. And (sighs) I see many of our our clients struggle with that. They don't want to keep the main thing, the main thing. And I see it um, in their process. I see the the struggles that they have with getting uh, clients or getting uh, leads to become clients. So what's helped you focus? Because you, you're so clear and it's obviously working and it's fulfilling, right? Because you're doing what you love and you're being vulnerable. And that, does that feel really aligned?
1: Yeah, it feels very aligned, especially when I can think about what I was doing for King and weight loss. So for me, it's just it's so much easier to do the work that I'm doing now that it is aligned compared to when I was working in weight loss. It felt like a constant struggle to like communicate with my patients and what I was doing. And it was really exhausting. And my job now is like more like when I get off calls, I'm like re-energized and excited and really fulfilled. So I think that piece is really important too of um actually loving what you do
0: <laughs> really
1: important right because that's what's going
0: to motivate you to do it the next day yeah how did you feel when you got off a consult or a conversation about weight loss with a client in your cl- or with a patient in your clinical setting to juxtapose
1: that with how you feel energized to help
0: those the clients you have now with ADHD and food freedom
1: It was like, I would just wish I didn't have to take the calls period. So like someone would call into the clinic wanting information about the program and I would talk to them about it. I kind of was did almost like did a sales call where I was trying to not sell you into their, into their program. Like, in a sense. And now I'm, you know, actually want to help the people who reach out to me. Whereas before I would wish I could have been like, Hey, this is probably not what you want to do kind of thing. Or like, so it's just, I guess it's a lot easier to sell something you're passionate about. Um, and it just comes a lot more naturally. It felt very unnatural getting on a call and talking about um, the program that I did at the weight loss clinic versus now I can, talk about it very easily.
0: That's great. And and then when it comes to delivering the service, meaning you providing weight loss coaching or counseling versus what you do now with food freedom and ADHD, how did that feel when you, I know it feels you know, a certain way now, but how did it feel then outside of the sales call when you actually had to, to do it?
1: It was not enjoyable. It was, it really drained me and it was even something my friends and family would notice like when i would hang out with them that i just wasn't the same energetic you know happy upbeat self that i and i was kind of miserable yeah. um and it just felt like i constantly had people who it was watching this diet not work for them and them really struggling um and not being able to offer them something else because it wasn't a part of like a corporate plan and being like, you know, tr- not being able to provide something that's somewhat individualized. And I know being in a group setting now, I can't exactly offer, you know, something super individualized, but I still get to create a space for people to finally have other, you know, most of my clients feel very alone um, with what they're struggling with. So to be able to create an environment where they're like, there are other women out there who are going through the same struggles in me as me and want to heal their relationship with food. And I find that, that is so much more powerful than um, sitting and trying to tell someone to cut out a bunch of foods and feel restricted with life. I feel like I'm helping people um, kind of go the opposite direction and find a way to live more and not have to be so focused around food.
0: I I love that. And in the last year, when we look at when you first started and, and for the listeners, please go listen to Becca's first interview because you'll hear the growth and it's just so inspiring to see that it's possible for, for the listeners to do that as well. Uh, what helped you kind of stay motivated and consistent when it comes to that that process of focusing your message, you, you create amazing content that changes people's lives. Now, what helped you with that stick to itiveness? Because a lot of you, you see it, a lot of your colleagues and, and whether they're clients in my program or whether they're just dietitians that are doing their own thing they struggle to be consistent so what do you think helped you keep going
1: i think part of part of just your method of you know solving reminding myself that i'm solving someone's biggest problem and that you know maybe if i really have the urge to post maybe one random post out of the five I post a week that is a little bit more not related to solving necessarily binge eating or food freedom. Um, I I will let one go but then I'm like the rest of these this week need to stay focused on what I'm doing. Um, and, and mostly because I find that that's what really resonates with my IC and my, and my audience is those posts that are solving their problem versus when I kind of do something else and it just kind of will fall flat or I won't get discovery calls booked from those posts. So it just reminds me that that's not what they're here for. (laughs) So, you know, kind of stay on the path.
0: In, in order to stay on the path, any tactical reminders for the listeners, uh, reflection, community? Uh, what is it that helps you? Because that's a powerful mindset that you've adopted to be able to uh, be this stick to it because it's worked, right? And yeah. I cannot deny the 200 clients you've been able to obtain in a year. That's incredible. So I'm yeah. just trying to unpack that so the listeners can say, all right, let me just go home and apply this as well.
1: Yeah. I think... I literally, there's this big sticky notepad behind me. um, And I, when I first started with Libby, it was like, I wrote, you know, like solve, you know, solve your client's biggest problem on there. And then the other one that I thought about was like focusing on revenue generating tasks. And for me at first making posts that really showed that I could solve my IC's biggest problem was kind of a way for me to get revenue. Um, And even though it's not a direct Revenue generating activity. It was just a way for me to remind myself that that's what they're looking for. Love um, so what you're and saying- the com- I should add and the community piece is huge. I think um, to remind myself of like here's what this is what I do. when like I get on a on a coaching call with Libby or one of the other coaches. It is like it is just reminds me that all these other all my other colleagues are, have their own problem that they're solving. And this is the problem that you solve. And I think just having that reminder is really helpful. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank you for the feedback. And I, I uh, appreciate that you're able to quickly say what and how and why. And that just shows the strength in your mindset because you know what got you here and that's going to get you to the next level, right? So the yes. next year you'll be able to have even more success. It's just, I've told you this before. It's an absolute pleasure to see what you've created and you've really created a new space you've carved out that for your audience and you've been able to become vulnerable and it's just really beautiful um and I, i love the affirmation piece right that you've been able to identify what you need to do right solve the biggest problem i said that earlier keep the main thing the main thing right so keep the biggest problem the biggest problem doesn't mean you can't ever weave in other things you mentioned you know, out of five posts or seven, maybe one might be off topic, but you're going to keep, what is that, 95%, 90% of your content focused on the main problem. That specificity and clarity and consistency in the work you're doing is what's helped you get to the next yes. Coupled with the community, the constant reminders and your self-awareness to know, I've got to put this on a sticky note. I've got to you know codify these concepts through live calls, community, etc. Um, so it's, it's really nice to hear you know uh, that that's what's gotten you to where you are now. Yeah, it's been awesome. awesome. Um, so anything as far as your offer, anything you want to share that's been a challenge for you, anything you've had to work through to, to progress, again, last interview from bundles to uh, your your six-week and now eight-week, and I know delivering the way and style you've delivered the service, anything on that uh, end you want to share with us?
1: I think the challenging part is probably because of who my IC is, is kind of getting people because ADHD, people who have ADHD are consistently inconsistent as um, I think there's a famous um, ADHD psychologist who says that. Um, and, he, and so getting clients to be consistent sometimes can be a struggle. So I think I offer a private Facebook group as part of Um, my program and getting I think people to be consistent and engage and interact on there has been the biggest challenge Um, and I think it's it's too because people are kind of sick of Facebook Um, but it's the easiest unfortunately the easiest platform and the platform that everyone knows how to use and navigate. True Um, and so it's Yeah, it's it's the I think it's the frustrating part is people are like I know how to use this, but I don't like being on Facebook, and I especially for my clients they're like I will just get stuck and lose track of time, and before I know it I've been you know scrolling on Facebook for hours or whatever, so. I, that's, I think kind of the biggest challenge is getting people to show up and engage and get the, for me, it's just get them getting the benefit out of the group aspect and that community aspect. Um, Cause when they do, you know, when they do share things and inter- interact and engage on there, they do get more out of it, of the program, um, but you can't force people to do things. So obviously coaching calls are great and you get a lot out of them, but sometimes having those midweek things, I think. And getting people to actually show up to the Facebook Live and do the things with me is probably the biggest challenge.
0: Any tactics to help that, um, to help you overcome that? For example, have you been able to just have an honest conversation with them and say, I know that this is uh, challenging and you can get distracted and it's easy to access, therefore the accessibility trumps Uh, The fact that, you know, you can get a little distracted for the purpose of finding community. Is that something you've been able to discuss with them or how have you broken through that um, to to still have those multiple ways and touch points, um, but even though they're imperfect, but that's that's okay because you don't have to have everything perfect. You just have to have an opportunity for them to communicate.
1: Yeah, I think reminders on calls. I do a lot of, you know, reiterating that, you know, like, If you have questions throughout the week, if there's something you're struggling with, or even if we want accountability that you, you know, for some of my clients, like they forget to to eat meals. So like if you want to share that you made lunch and share a picture of your lunch as a way to say, hey, I remembered lunch today and hold yourself accountable, you know, bring it to the group, everything, you know bring everything big and small to the group and share it and, you know, show up to the Facebook lives because I can interact and engage with you live and answer your questions in real time. Um, and just reminding them, I think helps the most. And then when they do show up and they're like, Oh my gosh, yeah, this was really helpful. They're more likely to be the ones who will get back into the Facebook group or show up to the Facebook lives that I do. Great. That's great.
0: Um, Anything else about the journey working with clients, the 200 clients that you have found surprisingly easier or harder, for example, like uh, creating processes, dealing with situations that you didn't expect, anything like that you want to share with us so the listeners can get a heads up? Because I believe the aspiration of hundreds of clients resonates with a lot of the listeners.
1: I think... The hardest part for me is more like the back end things of like, I'm in the process of hiring a VA and starting to think about how to put some of my processes into an SOP so that it is clear for somebody else to do. Because a lot of things I do currently, it's like, I know what I'm doing sure. and how to do it. But if I told someone else to do what I did, they'd be like, that made no sense most likely. <laughs> so I think the back end things and thinking about, you know, how can I make my processes more streamlined and efficient, I think is probably, um, the most challenging part, especially because we don't get a lot of business, um, education in school. So I think that that part is the hardest part, but that's part of the reason it's great to work with Libby is it really like gives you the resources because I've tried to look for other business, like resources online and it's so overwhelming. Um, and so it's just nice to know like i have something that's very specific resources that are specific to running a private practice in nutrition virtually versus like anything else and it is very helpful i think in that regard but that's just the biggest challenge for me is all the little um, back end things, sure. Oh,
0: absolutely. Well, huge. I mean, they're big back ends. So. Yeah. <laughs> to develop a process, for example, for the listeners who don't know what that means, if if you're not as far along as Becca in your journey, a process could be anything that you define that's consistent. So, for example, if you've got a customer uh, issue where someone um, is sick and they want some type of accolades, so they're saying, "I missed the call. What what can I do?" and what you need to do is have in your business as a business owner, some type of system or method or scenario of how you handle those situations. They're not bad situations. They're just part of increasing your clientele. So if somebody wants something additional that wasn't offered in the program, or they weren't able to make something and it's on whether it's on them or not, uh, dealing with that complaint or that feedback or having some mechanism and, and way that you're handling that that's consistent and then having it in writing is going to create a business that you are able to step out of and then easily have someone else implement. And so that's what Becca's is talking about with processes, standard operating procedures, writing them out, and then having somebody take over it, even partially, um, is going to clean up your back end. And without cleaning up your back end, you either cannot increase your clientele uh, or you're going to decrease the customer service because the lack of continuity from one client to the next... Um, is going to suffer. And this is also true if you're offering uh, memberships and courses because there's still going to be customer service issues. People can't access things. People default on payments. People want a refund for whatever issue. Not that it's any of our fault, but it happens. It happens when you have more clients and higher numbers. So developing a a process and how you handle these scenarios is going to help you with your next milestones. So I'm so glad that you've mentioned that that is important. And, and that's a sign that you truly have grown in your business because developing processes to the level that you have to now was not an issue of the last interview, right? It was yes. how do I get clients, right? And now yeah. that you've broken through that, achieved a couple hundred, two, over 200 in a year, the next level in your progress is how do I you know, get, get things, create continuity in the business, how do I develop a system to give my clients a standardized experience to create boundaries so that you, Becca, can have self-care and can live your best life and, and develop a vision of what you want in the future, but, but make sure that there's equality among your clientele so you're not getting too much attention for one person versus the other, and you're able to create a system to help more people without you having to do all of it on your own. Or if you do do it, but, meaning before you're able to delegate, at least they're streamlined. And so to have a streamlined process is definitely important. Any, any other thoughts about that, since I know you're in the thick of that in the moment?
1: Not that I can think of. Um, I think if I'm looking back as I've kind of done things, I guess maybe if I'm looking back, I wish I probably would have started writing down some of the processes that I've, you know, uh-huh. started to do. Um so that way now I don't have to do it all kind of like start to really do it more of like in a bulk sort of thing. I wish I kind of would have like, oh hey, I realized that this was I'm doing this and this is a process that I work through and just kind of typing it out versus just kind of letting it sit in my head as something that like I know how to do this and this workflow works for me. Um but just having it in writing so that I couldn't even just get feedback on it and improve it probably would be something looking back for the listeners that I would suggest doing as you start to notice like, hey, maybe it's I get this constant, you know, thing from clients or whatever, you know, how do I work through this? And when you realize you have a a way that you do work through it, writing it out, so it's already written down somewhere. And then as you if you do need to start to get ready to delegate it and whatnot, you already have it in writing versus just in your head.
0: Every uh, dietitian boss that I talked to wishes she started her private practice earlier. And every dietitian in your stage and in the executive level wishes that they wrote down processes earlier. So <laughs> it's normal to say that. And it's a good, it's a good sign. It means you're, you're on the path and, and you're in a position where, where you're really experiencing growth. Um, I, I feel like it's a really normal thing to say that you wish you wrote it down earlier. What matters <laughs> is that you're writing it down now and writing it down and really making sure it's clear and it's something someone else can follow, uh, which is just a whole different kind of um, use of your brain, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> again, we weren't taught that in school how to run an effective business and what that means, and then and then to draw a parallel from what you're doing. Uh, writing down a process and then what that means to the future vision of your company. So I want to segue to that, Becca. Where do you want to be in the future? Like, what are some of your goals that you're willing to share with us? Whether big or small, it's okay if you don't want to share too big. Although the floor is yours. Um, what's what's next in, in store for you and your clients?
1: Um. I really, I think it'll be probably not something that'll happen until next year, but I do want to be able to offer sort of a membership offer um, just because I want to be able to give my potential clients a more affordable option to work with me um, or at least get resources for me sort of thing. And so that's definitely something I'm working towards and kind of getting some, like I'm getting a website built right now. So that'll be I'll at least have a formal landing page, which will be nice with what, you know, what services I offer and things like that. Um, So I can eventually grow that into a place where I can have a membership. So. Yep.
0: Yep. And then um, in addition to, to that, uh, do you have any revenue goals and, or are you comfortable sharing where you're at now with the listeners?
1: Yeah. So I have, since I started, I, about a year ago. So I really changed my niche down about, like yeah, about a year ago exactly, Um, and I have made 55k in sales, and most of that has come from those past two quarters really, Um, and I've been my past this quarter and last quarter my revenue my sales goals have been 20k, and I'm I'm hitting both of those, so hopefully just continuing to grow that, um, and hopefully you know I could still if things keep growing or if I just say this, if I stay the same, that is amazing because that compared to what I was making in my clinical job, I was significantly more. Yep. Um, and for me, I'm a single woman and just being able to be independent for me is huge, um, and very empowering. So being able to say that and being a 28 year old business owner, I think is very empowering for me and just, I don't know. Just a different place to be at compared to working for someone else and not feeling comfortable what you're doing. Yeah,
0: and and that's thank you for sharing that. I mean, to to juxtapose twenty seven and working in a clinical office doing something you don't believe in versus Mm -hmm. year later, twenty years old and replacing your clinical salary and and feeling empowered and independent must translate to your
1: health. Right, That's, that's positive. Yes, it does definitely contribute to my mental health in a very positive way. And it really helps me want to keep doing the work that I'm doing instead of, you know, being like, when do, when do I get a break from this sort of thing um, with my past job? So I think um, and you're able to help your clients better when you're in a better, you know, headspace. So Absolutely.
0: I have a couple follow-up questions before we wrap up and thank you for, for sharing this super inspiring for me and for the listeners. And I'm I'm so impressed with you, Becca. I, my first question would be how do you set boundaries and self care to make sure you are spending time with Lola, your dog. Mm -hmm. And I know with COVID you've been, you know, you like live music, things haven't been, you haven't been able to do your normal lifestyle what are you able to do to separate from your business? Because replacing clinical salary does take a, a, you know, a lot of work. Um, if you could share a little bit about that. And then I wanted to talk to you a little bit about content because we can't go without talking about how amazing your content
1: is <laughs> about that. Um, for- um, I try to not get on social media on the weekends. So um, for me, that just really helps me. Um, I'll check it maybe once over the weekend, but I really try to give myself that boundary and time to kind of recharge and just engage with people in real life. Um, and so I think that is really helpful for me. Um, and I guess being able to have my own schedule really does help with my self care. So I can make sure I get to do the things I want to do and I'm, um, you know, get to pick my hours in a way that works for me. So, like, I don't see clients before 10 because that's just not when my brain works and and it's when i like to have my time to do like the my me stuff like i like to you know do my meditation have breakfast you know get a good workout in in the morning and that really sets me up for success so i used to see clients at one point i was seeing people before them and i was like i have to stop doing this because it it just doesn't work for me and i think holding those boundaries of knowing when you want to see people and take calls like there's, I don't take discovery calls now on Fridays. And then that's just an administrative day for me. And that works out great. So love that. And then I do remember you using the ideal day template um in the
0: process when yes. us going through that. Did, would you say any of those tools as far as writing it out and reflecting and then sticking with it have helped you stick with those boundaries?
1: Yes. And I even like basically move the ideal, te- like my ideal week template into my calendar this past time when I reviewed it so that it's actually like put into my calendar versus it just being like my practice better calendar that has when I have clients. Now it's like, here's when my other like coaching calls are with the executive program. And then here's when I, you know, work on content or do admin stuff. And I think seeing it in my calendar with when I have clients has also been like really helpful too.
0: I am. I'm so impressed. You are setting the way you're creating boundaries. I've seen them. You're self-aware. I don't want to do clients before 10. I want to take Fridays off of sales calls. Those things you're saying back are laying down the foundation for you to create a successful membership with processes. That's going to help you build the infrastructure as well as welcome sales and then anticipate there will be some imperfections on the way and you'll be able to handle them. So I, I just, I'm so, so grateful that you're able to share that with the listeners. And um, it's really just a great way to re- replace your clinical salary by not overwhelming yourself and still giving yourself that space. And I love the no weekend um, as well. I think that's that's a really great, you know, we all have our own way. Maybe we take Sunday off or Tuesday or whatever it is. Uh, but yeah. That you're sharing those tips with the listeners so they can hear uh, what's worked for you. Last question, can you share a little bit about your content because you have created not only, again, I don't want to just focus on the virality of your content, but just the, the fact that people say, you, I, you, know, you see me, I'm no longer invisible, right? The fact that you're resonating with people and you're creating really a meaningful body of work in the mental health care space. Anything you want to share about the evolution of your content in the last year or anything that's attributed to where, where it's at now for the listeners?
1: I think following kind of that kind of that five-step checklist for, for creating content and stick, trying to stick to that as best as you possibly can is super helpful and eventually it just kind of becomes like it, it's just something that you do. You don't even necessarily think like it's not like, okay, I have to sit here and check off all of these boxes. It just becomes a lot more natural and it's like you can look at it and be like, okay, I did this, I, you know, I, I'm solving their problem. I'm offering a solution or a way to, you know, reach out and work with me. And I think just the progression of social media this past year with, um, like using carousels more and reels and all of those things has really helped me be able to connect with my clients. Um, and it's, it's always funny to me, I guess, or not funny, but it's always interesting when it's, like people will be like, are you stalking me <laughs> on my instant on some of my posts? And that's when I know I'm, you know, or they're like, are you in my kitchen right now? And I'm like, no, I, you know, this is something I used to experience myself. So having that lived experience. I know what my clients are struggling with, and I still, you know, I'm constantly learning from my clients in my coaching program with what they're struggling with, and still using some of the things that they're saying and their words in my content. And, it, and that will look, really resonate with people. So
0: that's amazing. I, I, I mean, that's a goal is that your clients and, and your leads and your audience say, Are you stalking me? Yeah. Is, <laughs> that's, and thank you for reflecting on following the checklist doing your due diligence to make sure there's clarity and solving the biggest problem. You've said that several times and I, I couldn't agree more that going back yeah. to the basics is important. And then I'm um, just checking out what people are saying. Right. So yeah. you say when, when, when it comes to content, do you improve your content on a regular basis based on looking at insights and reviewing your top performing? Is that kind of what's helping you?
1: Yep. I tend to go back and look at my insights um, on a weekly basis and, there's just a couple posts that I have, and it's that I usually kind of interchange in the way that they're—it's solving or it's talking about the same issue, just presented in a different way. Um, and I usually kind of switch through just changing little pieces of those things. It may just be literally like one food, like if it's talking about a day, like a binge-restrict cycle, it'll just be changing out, like you know, eats you know, skips breakfast. And maybe the next, this past one, I changed it to just drinks coffee instead of skips breakfast, for instance. And so just changing, sometimes you don't even have to change a lot. And then I know a lot of times people will be like, oh, I feel very repetitive with my content. Um, but it is what works is having people hear those things over and over and over again. And I have posts even from a year ago that I have redone and posted and they've, they've gotten a lot more reach and have you know, and it's just maybe changing one thing or changing pretty much nothing about the post, or just the color scheme, and it, and it still does really well. And just changing a little bit of what that um, caption says. So
0: the only thing that you haven't mentioned, which is obvious, and I just want to throw it out there, what Becca's saying is possible once you've cracked the code and you know the problem you're solving is the biggest problem. So, so yes. the listeners here, I just want you to know that Becca is beyond the basics of have you clarified your message. So once you do clarify your message and you know the biggest problem, that's when you identifying your top performing content and becomes even more helpful and important and, and efficient, right? Because from what you're telling me, it doesn't sound like you're spending 20 hours doing content. You have, you know, what works, you're repeating and twist and tweaking it. And you're able to get the same results. And that's just such a beautiful story. So thank you for sharing that with with the listeners.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid for anyone listening to um, kind of change your content just slightly or, you know, that fear of like, oh, people are like, you just keep posting the same thing. Because I work especially with a population who likes novelty. (laughs) So seeing the same thing, I always get nervous that one day someone's like, you just post the same things, but it doesn't, it doesn't happen. So people do like to hear things several times or just get that reminder. Sometimes it's a nice reminder of like, Oh, seeing that post that's talking about skipping lunch. And then I'll have people be like, thanks for the reminder. I'm going to go eat lunch now. So like just little things like that can be helpful. Fantastic. Yeah. Any
0: final words before we hop from today's episode?
1: I think, Oh, one thing I think is looking back. So I listened to Libby when I was in grad school, like, oh, it would have been like three or four years now. And I just remember thinking how cool it would be to have my own virtual practice and remembering my internship director and the director of my grad program being like, you need two years of clinical experience and beating that over and over and over again into our heads. And it never felt right for me to be in a clinical setting. Um, and so if that does, if that's you, like, don't be afraid to kind of go off the beaten path and start do your own thing because it's really worth it and I looking back I at that time I didn't think it would be possible and it totally is so if you're one of those people like that looks really cool but I don't think I could do it you can do it and it's awesome to get to do um, to get to work for yourself and to get to help people in a way that um, is rewarding for you so.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for that share. And if you could just remind everybody where to find you on social.
1: Yes, I am on Instagram at ADHD.nutritionist. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: If you're looking to start and grow your business, we have two opportunities. Our society program to help you land your first clients and really get a system up and running, develop your message, create content, get your offer up and going and enroll in your offer. And then for our high-level executive program, for those of you who already are working with clients and do not have an issue with attracting clients, Uh, me and my team will be able to help you get systems in place so that you can work less hours and make more money and truly scale your business. So whether you're looking to get started or you're looking to rev up your business, Dietitian Boss has opportunities for you. Please apply to our services found on my website at LibbyRothschild.com, or you can find in the show notes a link to apply.